This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullah Khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Yawma Idhin Yasturun Nasu Ashtatan Liyurau A'malahum Faman Ya'mal Mithqala Dharratin Khairan Yarah Waman Ya'mal Mithqala Dharratin Sharran Yarah a couple of minor details that I left out before uh, the salah. Uh, one is about the meaning of the word sadr. We did talk about leaving some place and coming back to it. As is used in the Quran, Hatta when Musa salam was going to help uh, those young women get the water from the well. And he asked them, why aren't you, what's the problem? They said, until they, go, they don't go back, yustira, until they don't go back from where they came from and go feed their, their, their feed, then until then we're not going to go and use the well. So that word was used there in the same or similar context. Anyhow, we were at the point where we were discussing, يَوْمَ إِذِنْ يَصْطُرُ النَّاسُ أَشْتَاتًا لِيُرَوْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ There is a tafsir of this ayah that... Um, I personally didn't find very convincing, but it's, it's only intellectually honest to share it with you, is that, you know, we talked about how there's a starting point, and then there's where you go, and then you come back. Uh, some have interpreted that in this ayah, it means that the starting point is the grave, and then you go, and you get judged, and you come back to either paradise or hellfire. That's the, that's the three-step journey that it's talking about. The problem uh, with that is that when you come back, you're not coming back from where you started. Right? You're not coming back to where you started, which is the meaning of sadr, from a linguistics point of view. The second thing is, in order to make that meaning work, you can't just say they were taken to show their deeds. Now you have to show them the rewards or punishments of their deeds. Right? The, not, not just showing the deeds, but going further. So their tafsir says, لِيُرَوْ جَزَاءَ أَعْمَالِهِمْ They assume the meaning of jaza reward in the deeds. So the, the, while the ayah itself says, so they may be shown their deeds, a lot of mufassirun that held that opinion, because of that opinion said, no, they will be shown the rewards of those deeds. The rewards of those deeds. Uh, again, the problem with that is the word sadr. That's the first problem with that. The second problem is to be shown the rewards of, or punishments of your deeds, and then you're being taken back, then why mention again in the next ayat to be to see yarahu yarahu he will see it he will see it after all of this is done the, the, it seems as though from the text of the surah the spirit of the surah it seems to be highlighting the idea the concept of being of seeing what you've done and if you remember what we started with the skeptic the disbeliever in the akhirah refuses to see refuses to believe in something you cannot see actually Right? The akhirah is something you cannot see, cannot visualize. So Allah is emphasizing and highlighting that which they're going to see. 
And it comes up, the verb comes up three times. So, liyurau, then yarahu, khayran yarahu, and sharran yarahu. Three times the same verb comes up. So let's go to the last ayat. The first comment we should make is the word fa. Fa in Arabic can be used as a conclusion to a discourse. So it's, it's as though the point of the surah is starting now. The, the conclusion, the, the, the actual lesson is here. Why was the earth shaking? Why was the earth spilling its beans? What, what, why did Allah instruct it to speak about everything? Why were people spread into different groups to show their deeds? For what purpose? Or to what end? This is the point of the matter at the end of this surah. فَمَن يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَن يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَهُ The first thing we're going to look at is the word the fa then illustrating that this is the conclusion. The second word is يَعْمَلْ يَعْمَلْ uh, Normally we say يَعْمَلُ يَعْمَلُ It's marfu' It's with a dhamma at the end. When it's majzum like this, it makes it a jumla shartiyah. This is a conditional statement. In English we call it an if-then statement. Okay? So whoever may have done I'm, I'm doing a very coarse, very inaccurate, rough kind of translation just to get the basic point across. Then whoever may have done an Adam's worth of good, that's the when, the if part. If they did an Adam's worth of good, then yarahu, he'll get to see it. And if somebody did an Adam's worth of bad, then yarahu, they'll get to see it. So, so the shart, the jumla shartiya, the shart is man ya'mal mithqala dharratin. Dharratin khayran. Okay, and then jawab shart the then part, the response to the, the, the condition is yarahu. Let's look at the word mithqal. A similar word came in the surah. This surah again, it's, you know, it's about uh, uh, keeping words in proximity to each other. So you had the word athqal, right? Allah Azza wa says in the beginning, uh, The same root, now another word. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ the word mithqal in Arabic, as Lisan al-Arab ibn Manzur puts, he says, adatun yuzanu biha. Yuzanu biha rather. It is a tool by which things are mentioned. You know how if you have a scale and you have like groceries like rice or fruits or whatever on one side and you have weights on the other side? These weights on the other side are called mithqal. That's mithqal. It is the equivalent of something. It in and of itself is of no value except to tell you what this is worth. Okay, that's what a mithqal is. Yes, it's a weight, literally it's a weight, but it's weight used in a scale to, to scale other things. That's what mithqal is. As opposed to that thiqal, remember thiqal we talked about? The, the journey, that you're, the load that you're traveling with, or things inside the house, those are thiqal. So that's the first difference between it. Mithqal is actually, from a morphology point of view, it's an ism uh, ala, which means a tool. In Arabic, when a word begins with me, me, and then it has an alif in it, like miftah, midrab, right? Uh, these are tools. Miftah is a key, which is a tool. Okay. Similarly here in Mikyal and Mizan, these are tools. Similarly, Mithqal is a tool, a tool by which the worth or the weight of the other end of the scale is known. That's, what it's, that's why it's used. Again, the word Amal, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ Again, Amal is being repeated. Amal came up before, لِيُرَوْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ Amal again means to do something consciously, to do something with intent, with commitment. It's not something you did haphazardly or not knowingly. You knowingly did something. This is amal. So this is, you know, a ta'amudan. It's with purpose. Whoever may have done something on purpose, whose weight is that of a dharra. Now dharra in Arabic, uh, you could probably call it the smallest thing imaginable. The definition of dharra would be 
the smallest thing imaginable. In the experience of the Arabs, what's the smallest thing they saw? They saw the ant lay an egg. That's the smallest thing they could see. And that's what they used to call dharra. The, the, the egg laid by an ant, that was called dharra. But the idea from that is not that it's the size of that, but it's basically the smallest, you know, mini, most minuscule thing, which for us, you know, we say things like worth an atom or a speck, right? That. And of course, the smaller something is, the more weightless it is. It doesn't have any weight. So now, mentioning that and saying its weight, mentioning weight next to it, something you never associate weight with. You assume actually that it's weightless. That it's weightless. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا Something that they may have done that is so small in terms of good. خَيْر here could be two things. النُحَاسَ A grammarian said منصوب على البيان أو بدل من مثقال Two things. It's either, uh, that's the, actually the first, they're both really the same thing. He's saying the word khayran is a substitute of مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ It means whoever does a good will see it. And that good may be equal to just that little tiny speck. Even if it's that little, they'll get to see it. That's one grammatical explanation. The other grammatical explanation is أَنَّهُمَا تَمْيِيزِ In both cases, khayran and sharran are both distinguishers. In Arabic, a distinguisher is translated in English with the terms in terms of. So the way we would translate it, if you look at this grammatical explanation is the weight of a speck in terms of good. Uh, the weight of a speck in terms of good. So, either way, the, the meaning is very close. In terms, uh, the word khair in Arabic is something good that is easily distinguishable as good and you don't have to tell someone and convince them it's good, it's naturally good. Like you know, you don't have to convince someone telling the truth is a good idea. You, you know, you don't have to tell someone, you know, saving a life is good or it's a, it's a good thing to do. It's naturally known. Similarly, shar, the opposite of it in the next ayah is a word whose evil is naturally known. You don't have to tell someone that stealing is bad or killing is bad, or these things, they know it's bad. Even the one who does it knows it's bad and still does it. It's not like they think it's good. Nobody thinks it's good. So the universally known good is called khair, and the universally known bad is called shar. Okay, that, that's the definition uh, part of it. The plural of mithqal is, is uh, mathaqil in Arabic. Now, al-dharra, like we said, al-namlatu al-saghira wa qil, al-dharra ma yura fi shua al-shams min al-haba. Another definition of dharra, is what you see when you are sitting in the, when you stare at sunlight, when sunlight is coming through the window, and you see like these little fibers flying in the air, you ever see that? Each of those little fibers of dust, they are called dharra also. Again, alluding to the same concept, the smallest imaginable thing, and the most weightless imaginable thing. That, that stuff has no weight at all. Mithqala dharratin. But even that much of a deed will be seen. He will get to see it. They will show it and he will see it. Now the word ra'a, yarahu. You see, in Arabic, the word, there are many words, basara, right? Ra'a, absara, navara. There are different words for seeing something. Ra'a or ru'ya in Arabic is used when you see something literally and figuratively. Have you ever heard somebody say, I see what you're saying? Right? Or you, you, you heard something on the news and you say, ah, I see. But you don't see. What you're really saying is, I understand, right? The word I see can be used in the meaning of, I understand. So I see means two things. I, I literally see, and also I understand. And both those meanings are captured in the word ra'a. So when Allah says, He will see 
he will get to see every speck's worth of deed. He will see it, he will see what it's worth, and he will understand why it's worth what it's worth. He will understand it too. So you know, it's one thing to see something and not understand it. But when you see something and fully understand what you're looking at, that is ru'ya. That's what's going to happen on that day. There's not going to be any confusion. And this is actually very important to understand in our times. You know, a lot of times in, when you go to a, a court, or, or you, you're dealing with lawyers and a judge and things like that, a lot of times if you're in trial or in a court, the language of the judge, the language of the lawyer is something so complicated you don't understand what's going on. It's very important for someone who's on trial to understand clearly what is happening. And a lot of times people end up incriminating themselves or leave with the idea, man, I don't even know why I'm in jail. I don't even understand what was so wrong about what I did. They don't understand. And so Allah by using the word yarahu actually clarifies that no one will be in confusion or have the question left, I don't know why I ended up in hell. I didn't think I was that bad. They'll actually know very, very clearly, very, very clearly exactly what they had done. May Allah not make us from the people of hellfire. So whoever does an atom's worth of good will get to see it. And by the way, this is contrast from the previous surah. And this is al-lafu wa nashru ala al-aks. This is a concept in Arabic literature. It also applies in the Quran. You mention two things, A and B. Then you mention them again, but in reverse order, B and A. So you go A and B, and then you mention B and A. This happens, for example, in Ali Imran. يَوْمَ تَبْيَضُّ وُجُوهٌ وَتَسْوَدُّ وُجُوهٌ The day on which some faces will be made white, and some faces will be made black. So obviously, which faces were mentioned first? The white ones, and then the black ones. The very next ayah says, As far as those faces who were made black. So instead of going white, black, white, black, it went white, black, black, white. It reverses that. That's a feature of the Arabic language to, for symmetry. Okay? So the backward and the forward of it, back and, back and forward are symmetrical. Similarly, in the previous surah we found, The kuffar were mentioned first, فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ Remember that? And then after them what was mentioned? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ So the negative was mentioned first and the positive was mentioned second. Now it's being reversed. What is the reverse? فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا خَيْرًا The one who does good will see it. Even a speck's worth of it, he'll fully understand it and see it. And then the negative, شَرًا شَرًا يَرَهُ Okay. So now, shar comes from sharara, which is a spark of fire. As we said, something that's universally understood as evil. Uh, the, the question to understand that's really interesting is, if kufr wipes away all your evil, all, all your good deeds too. A kafir, even his good deeds, his charity, his good deeds, his prayer, his supplication, none of it counts. And if for a believer, some of their bad deeds are wiped away, then how come Allah says, even an Adam, even a speck he'll get to see. Allah is not talking about what will be punished and what will be rewarded. He is talking about what will be what? Seen. What will be seen. There's a difference between those two things. When it comes to being punished and rewarded, that's different. What you did, you will see. And you will see every last detail. Even the things Allah forgave. You'll, you'll see what He forgave. You see, I did this messed up thing over here, and yeah, he, he forgave it. I officially got a check mark on that one too. You'll see it. And we'll see to so much detail that we find in the Quran, Mali Hadal Kitab. La yuqadiru sagiratan wala kabiratan illa ahsaha. What's wrong with this book? It doesn't leave out anything small or anything book, except it ca captured everything. So it implies that we will see every last detail. So this will make us appreciate the mercy and forgiveness of Allah even more. You know, if Allah forgives something, and you don't even remember you did it wrong. 
Like when you don't remember you did something wrong and somebody says, I forgive you for that thing you did. You say, what do I do? I don't, no thanks, I don't need your forgiveness. I didn't do anything to begin with. You understand? But if you know what, if you're first told this was your crime, this is what you had done. And by the way, I'm letting, a, letting this one slide, this one slide, this one slide, this one slide. And this is one little tiny good deed you did. I'm multiplying this one by 700, this one by 7,000, this one by 100,000, etc., etc., etc. Now you will appreciate Allah's forgiveness and you will appreciate Allah's mercy. Then you, on, on, on our bad deeds, we need Allah's forgiveness. And on our good deeds, we need Allah's mercy. You know, our bad deeds should be forgiven. And our good deeds, they are so pathetic even, that only by Allah's mercy do they actually count for something. Because even our salah is where our mind's all over the place. Our wudu, we make so many mistakes. Our hajj, we're on our cell phone. You know, you know we're, we're, we have shortcomings even in acts of ibadah. So it's Allah's mercy that makes, that compensates them. Which is why we find Allah's beautiful names, Wallahu ghafoorun rahim. It, one covers our, our sins, the other covers the compensation of our good deeds. Because you know, our good deeds in and of themselves are worthless. But when Allah multiplies them, when Allah puts barakah in them, Ramadan is, you know, it's, it's Ramadan. But when He multiplies it, khayrun min alfi shahr, one night, that's His mercy. That's, that's not any of our accomplishment. We could never have done 80, 83 years consecutive of worship. That's not possible for us. A thousand months of worship, that's not possible for us. But he multiplies it, so he gives it mercy, subhanAllah. But at least before you, you get rewarded for it, you will see it. You'll see the complete ledger. Which is in and of itself a terrifying thing. So, the last comments inshaAllah ta'ala, and we conclude the study of this surah, is that we, uh, and, and I'll give you a little bit of a preview of what we are going to do before we study the next surah also. Uh, in the study of the nazm and the coherence of the Qur'an, we say that every surah is somehow rhetorically connected to the next surah. Somehow, one surah is always connected to the next. But in, its, in the study of the Qur'an structure, there's another concept too. Certain surahs are paired together. They're special pairs. And these pairs are even found in the sunnah. For example, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ and قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ you know, Al-Mu'awwadhatayn is the name the Prophet himself gave them, sallallahu alayhi wa Similarly, you find Baqarah and Al-Imran. So the Messenger says, Al-Zaharawayn, the two glittering surahs. So there's the concept of surahs being in pairs also. There's one concept that every surah is tied to the next. And the other concept, the surahs are in pairs. Then there's yet another concept that surahs are in clusters. There's groups of surahs that go together. For example, there's surahs called Al-Musabbihat. They all begin with either Sabbaha Lillahi or Yusabbihu Lillahi. They're Musabbihat. That's a group of surahs. That's a cluster of them. We've, without me sharing this with you officially, we've actually gone through and we're on our fifth cluster of surahs in Juz'amma. Groups of four surahs. There's four, 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 and now the final four. These are the final four of the clusters of surahs, actually. And from here we get back into pairs. Right? So inshallah ta'ala, the first thing we're going to do next week actually is look at what those four groups, what those four previous groups were, what their fundamental themes were, how they're all connected together, and where we are now. And then to go towards the end of the rest of the Qur'an. Just a, a comment on the beginning and the end of the surah. The previous surah mentioned, khayrul uh, bariyya, uh, khayr came up. Here, mithqala dharratin, khayran, same word came up. In the previous surah Allah said, sharrul bariyya, and here, what made them sharrul bariyya? Mithqala dharratin, sharran. Don't underestimate the power of anything. You know, the Sahaba were extremely uh, worried about the small deeds because they accumulate without you realizing. 
right? Uh, uh, our, our teacher used to give us the uh, crazy example of the frog. You know the frog experiment? It's a pretty cruel experiment, but it's been done. Uh, you know, there's boiling water, and you throw a frog in it. What happens to the frog? What does it do? Actually, it jumps right out. It doesn't stay in. It jumps right out immediately. just pops out. Then you take a water, put it in cold, put normal temperature water, put the frog in it, it's happy. And you start heating it slowly. You start heating the water slowly until it boils. And when it boils, guess what? The frog dies, it never jumps out. When you gradually end up in a bad situation, you don't even realize, right? You don't even, big, big sins, yeah, you'll see them right away. Oh, I'm not touching that. But small things, you know what you're gonna say? Ah, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? And you do it once, twice, three times, 300,000 times, a million times, you won't even know how many times you did it. Because it's not a big deal to you. And you'll be like that frog where the water can, went up slowly. <laughs> right? SubhanAllah. So the, this, the Sahaba were very, very scared of the smallest uh, uh, mistakes. But inshallah, we'll balance that concept next week. Finally, this is a, a, one of the styles of the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jalla will begin with something small and end with something big. Or begin with something big and end with something small. This surah begins with something huge. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا Something very, very big. The entire earth is being shaken. Violently. As it was meant to shake. And the, the surah ends with the smallest speck. Smallest speck. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةً So it begins with something massive and ends with something minuscule. And that's part of the beautiful contrast of the style of the surah. May Allah give us an appreciation and understanding of His book. سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَلَّا إِلَّا إِلَّا أَنْتَ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُوا إِلَيْكَ Next week is I think Daylight Savings. So Isha I think is going to be 7.45. So we'll start after Isha instead of after Maghrib next week. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.